This is the Halloween episode of the This Guy Edits podcast, and I am here with Sven Papa. Hello, hi, how's it going? We're one of those podcasts that has Halloween episodes as well as we're going to have a Christmas episode. Is that what we're doing? We'll find out. Stay <laughs> tuned. Subscribe to the iTunes link and you'll find out. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and you will know what we're doing in December when we get to it. I know, Tyler. And also, so I did. I feel weird introducing myself. I'm, I'm Tyler. I'm here. You want to <laughs> set up what this <laughs> podcast is, Sven? This is this guy who edits, and I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. You are. He sure edits, folks, because something I wanted to bring up is last week we were talking about unreliable narrators in the podcast as we went through the Itania skating scene, and Sven became an unreliable editor because he took something that we left in the edit of the podcast and before it aired, added a bunch of screaming sounds of my cat as if it was being tortured. His version of the events, which he found out were not true, he thought my cat was being tortured and abused. Not the case at all. My cat was being stopped from eating into a bag of laundry detergent and gently escorted out of the room. Sven didn't like the reality, so he became the unreliable editor and added in horrible cat screeches. Well, I sort of gave it away at the end, but I thought it would make for a nice story to just uh, keep the audience wondering whether (laughs) I have an abusive co-host. He became Tanya Harding, basically, (laughs) and tried to turn me into the boyfriend, except I wasn't abusive. Oh, yeah, I guess that works. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. The other part is that I constantly sneak things in to mess with Sven, and I got a taste of my own medicine this week. So well played, Sven, well played. Uh, Oh, what did you sneak in? I never noticed this stuff. Well, like the bloopers and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. The little things. I never frame you as abusive, <laughs> but <laughs> just little. usually anytime you say cut that out, I'll, it ends up being in there. Um, <laughs> I did notice that, yes. <laughs> so I got my re- my due revenge. The other thing I wanted to touch on was Dennis's video this week, the I, Tanya one. It's great. He found that CG footage we we're talking about. So it's so cool to look at this stuff and then now even see the comments on YouTube. But watching it, I couldn't help but realize when we were recording the episode... I said, that's definitely Margot Robbie spinning. But I said it because I said it after you said something. So I said it like a moment too late. So in the video, it's funny to see it because it's clearly not her. Like it's definitively not her spinning around doing this amazing skate move. Well, that's bound to happen, right? Yeah. Should we talk about what we're doing this week, Sven? We're doing, I mean, people know because you clicked on it. Exactly. Um, We're doing Halloween. (laughs) The original, which I don't even remember if I've seen it. I feel like I did, but it's been so long. I think it's kind of nice. I I think it's a nice touch that we're going back to the original. Yeah, I saw the the remake or reboot or whatever we want to call it this weekend. I thought it was really effective. Very much worth checking out. Made by some people that did not need to make that movie and really cared about the subject matter. Made it for that reason. Um, And it turned out great and there's some really interesting editing choices in the new version that are clearly intentional like when we look at these older ones it's funny to see how they're like devices of the time whereas they're embraced in the new one and done intentionally where it's almost bad editing but it's to kind of feed on some of the energy of what we'll talk about in the clip we're going to watch today and some other stuff in halloween very cool. Should we set up the movie a little bit? 1978 is when this movie was made. John Carpenter directed. He did a bunch of shorts yeah. in the 60s. 
He did a movie called Dark Star. Yeah, he then, did Dark Star. Yes, yeah. of course, Assault on Precinct 13, which I've yeah. seen. And then he did Halloween. Yeah. And then he also, for those that don't know, did Elvis movie with Kurt Russell. Some still say it's Kurt Russell's greatest performance. Forming that partnership. He then did The Fog. He then did Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. He then did The Thing with Kurt Russell, a remake of Howard Hawks's film. He did Christine. He did Starman with Jeff Bridges, Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell. All these are just well-regarded masterpieces of their time. They Live, which is still one of my favorite movies. It's an amazing resume for, for a director, uh, what John Carpenter has, and also does his own music for the majority of these films, including the new Halloween. Exactly. And that's a huge part of the effect of Halloween, which we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah. Also, a little side note. Um, I actually, when I went to AFI, I had Deborah Hill, which is his producing mm. partner, as my teacher. And, and co-writer on this. Co-writer as well, yeah. Like, all my classmates were, like, just fanboys and fangirls in the first few weeks when when she was there. And, uh, yeah, so the late Deborah Hill was one of my teachers when I went to AFI. Give us an insight from Deborah Hill's fan. Oh, she loves to talk. She always was just spinning yarn in the class. It would just it was basically story time every time and people were like, "Tell us more, tell us more." She definitely was a force, I can tell you that much. She and Linda Obst, I think were partners for a long time and they were like big producer, big female producers in a world of just guys and just oh, kicking that's great. ass. Very empowering. Many of my classmates they really uh, were inspired by her as well, just because of that. Well, that's so cool. You had her as a teacher. She had a lot of great stories. So specifically as to this film, Halloween, it's such a beloved film. We are not Halloween fanatics. I have a very special relationship with it, but I promise you there are tons of podcasts out there and people that can go way, way, and I've talked to some of them this week, can get really, really deep on Halloween. So we don't want to even pretend we're those people. But for me, I tried to think of a scene that always jumped out to me in a horror film. And there's a few of them. One of them, Psycho, and the other horror movie, when I saw it, that always stuck with me and in some subconscious way terrified me and tormented me was Halloween. And specifically this scene we're going to look at, which is far from the most popular scene from Halloween as evidenced by how hard it was to find a decent <laughs> clip of it on YouTube. But something about this shot of him jumping onto the top of the car from behind always stuck with me in a really weird way. Like for years when I would park, if I would hit the brake lights against a wall and stuff, I'd be terrified that, you know, it's just the worst image I can imagine of someone just suddenly running up from the back of your car and jumping over the top of it. Um, so I'm just curious uh, why it had that effect on me. And I want to watch this scene with someone like Sven who understands editing so well so that we could kind of break down why that moment would have such an effect. And I have some theories, Sven. Nice. When did you watch it? Do you remember? Yeah, what I year? was in high school. In high school. Yeah. So this was in high, so been way yeah, after. Yeah, well those. after it came out. Psycho, I saw well after it came out. And both of them, like Psycho, I was very uncomfortable in the shower the next day. Like yeah. that's the funny thing is all that stuff worked on me the way that it was supposed to. And these are very old films, whereas now, you know, I don't know, you go to a movie and all the scares and stuff are based on the sound effects, and it's so, just a very different thing. Even the new Halloween, which we can talk about. Yeah, it's nice to know that it's still held up. I mean, I watched a little bit now, and I was like, oh, this is intriguing, especially the opening. I thought that's great storytelling right there. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience, uh, and that's the whole thing with film versus 
TV and streaming and stuff is when you're in a theater. And I did see these both in like, you know, dedicated spaces. There's something about the stuff that these filmmakers understand are playing with in terms of music and, you know, just really immersing you into something and then switching your expectations, which is why horror and comedy are, are so similar. Yeah. That Yeah, and I would think good. if you see it in a theater and you see it really on a nice 35 millimeter print, it's just going to... I mean, the experience is going to be still very effective. Yeah, and a lot of what we're going to talk about. I mean, I guess we could just start the clip and and get into that. Yeah, let's do it. So what we do is, if you're a new listener, is we actually have a YouTube clip for you that we're going to link up in the description of this podcast. So if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, uh, there should be a link there and you can watch along or we're going to describe it for you as well. And then we're going to take it apart. And make fun of yeah. it. Yeah. Nope. No, we're um, going to appreciate it. <laughs> we'll see how... I'm very curious to get your take on this, Fen. Awesome. Three, two... October 30th. Go. Okay, cool. So it's October 30th, 1978 on our end. Um, and the thing about this movie, I think a big part of the reason it's so effective is we're seeing just a lot of darkness through this whole scene. And we just saw the entire thing through POV. We know very little about this character. We're going to end up being given even less. We have the car driving through the frame. And the thing about seeing this, where you're supposed to see it in a movie theater, is John Carpenter understands you're at his mercy watching this movie. So there I am, a little wide-eyed high school kid watching this thing. We have the doctor, it turns out, and the nurse. And you're just in this dark room with this music just pummeling you. This very, very very specific music that's working on a level that i don't know it's not really something you'd listen to for easy listening but it, it's almost make, it makes you uncomfortable um so they're driving along and we're being given the information about michael myers and it's very little information we've seen this guy as a child stab his nude sister to death watching his hand do it and now all we're learning about him is nothing we're learning that this guy thinks he's pure evil and they just want to push him through this case. And she says to him, what do I need to know about him? And his response is, you just need to know what we're dealing with. <laughs> so we're being given so little information, except that we're dealing with a highly dangerous character. And I think the reason this scene is so effective is because of how little information we're being given in it and how dark this frame is. And when we do finally get to that, that jump scare moment, which had a huge effect on me, stuck with me forever. I think it's the deprivation prior to that that gives us that effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at this. We know, we know nothing. It's a couple people. And then when, we're, when we, we start to see the, the signs, it's, we never have like a full headlight hitting it because I think they're trying to preserve that darkness and the editing going through it. If you notice anything, Sven, ju- jump in by all means. I did. I mean, a while ago I saw the cutaway to the cigarettes. I'm wondering what that is about, the packs. Yeah, and then when we see these guys wandering out here, it's like, what <laughs> could possibly be yeah, going like, on? Yeah, like, what is going on? There's no explanation why they're wandering around, right? Yeah, and it's all being told through the doctor's reaction. He is not cool with this. Here comes the music. Yeah. And I would assume this is pretty unique music. I mean, it's oh, reminiscent yeah. of Psycho, but it's so different in terms of the instrumentation yeah it's just been these two shots the whole time so now she's alone we're just it's all dark 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 and then boom that just 
gets me. Uh, even still, it got me on my iPhone looking at it the other day. Yeah. Just that moment, and now she's going to become separated from him. Ugh. Like you just like don't what's see the doctor doing also, right now? I'm wondering. Like why is he not? Yeah, he's on the phone trying to figure out what's happening, and we see the car move away from him, but none of it's being done in a way that's very clear as to what's going on either. Yeah. It's kind of now we're in her perspective where we're separated from the doctor, but we don't really see that in the master shot because it would be weird. And then we're, oof, we're getting to learn Michael Myers as a character, just his strategies and stuff like that. The fact that he gives up on her because there's far greater game to catch with this car that he now has is great. And then... I don't know what the doctor was going to do if he caught up to them earlier, but <laughs> then he says the evil has left and we see the car in fact driving off instead of, you know, coming back to run them over, which is a lot. Um, okay. Very cool. So nice. I don't know. That's kind of a weird run through of the scene trying to analyze what's going on, but what's, what's your reaction to that scene? Sven? Well, it's, I'm glad I'm seeing it in high res here. Unfortunately, the YouTube clip that we're linking to, it's going to be a little low res. It's like from an NBC broadcast. I, de I appreciate that you mentioned, oh, this is in a dark theater. I think that's really important to point out. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, of course, if you're seeing this in a movie today, you're pretty much going to have the same reaction as in 1978 seeing that film. Even though there are some yeah. things where I feel like, oh, okay, I can... I can see a little overacting there or the way he jumps on the car just feels a little weird. Like, I don't mm -hmm. quite know how he gets on there, whether he's being lifted on there or something. Which Doesn't is a lot of the fun of this character is that, one, I mean, just even in the music itself, everything's like a little pushed because it was kind of a, a horror B movie that, that became incredibly successful. Exactly. But there it is something like a supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, and you're you're getting to paint this picture of who this character is because it is supernatural the way that he can move and do things and yeah, I think it's think it's through. it's feels like a B movie, but it works on a universal level on a much bigger level, which is probably why it became such a huge hit. I mean, it made a ton of money way back then. I think in today's dollars, it was like two hundred fifty, three hundred million or something. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge hit that just started this genre to just become what it was then in the 70s or early 80s. Yeah, at so. the end of the 70s, a, a hugely successful film. And I have some other thoughts on that too in terms of why it spawned so many sequels and the reason obviously none of them live up to the original. There's no like Aliens 2 version of Halloween, or sorry, yeah. Aliens version, to what, to what, even though Aliens is a very different film than Alien. There's no version of that. And I think a lot of that is because of what, for me, worked about this scene and made it so startling and spooky is this whole movie, you're never given, you're given so little information about this character and you're trying to figure out who he is and you're allowed to kind of create this boogeyman in your mind. Whereas all the sequels are giving you more information about him. Yep. Right? It's like, well, let's figure out what happened. What's this? Even the new one, which is, you know, a great movie. It's not the original, and they even get stuck with having to give you more, yet kind of playing with the common mythology of the character. So it's really interesting how just embracing that idea of give the audience nothing, literally nothing, and it becomes a very uh, impactful experience because of that. 
Yeah, no, it's great. That's awesome. And then you also are inclined to be way more visual. It's more cinematic if you don't have to take time out to explain stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Can we go yeah, through some moments here and please talk about some stuff? I think you really explained very well the darkness in the car and all this. That is actually a really well-written scene, thinking back of it. Even though it feels a little oh, yeah. B-movie-esque, I think they get a lot of things right here. Yeah, and one other thing I'll add about this clip that we gave you to look at, the reason I knew I knew when I sent it to Sven, he was going to be like, come on. But part of the reason I was cool with this one as opposed to the bla the HD black and white one that's on YouTube or whatever is I think the movie gets an added quality one being shot on film, but two, when it is kind of run down and a little crappier, for some reason, all the best horror movies have dirty sound, music that's over the top, and visuals that aren't perfect. It's a it's a very weird thing. And then when you get into that really clean stuff, uh, more recently, it's, it's less effective. Yeah, I just Let's wanted see. to go back to that insert shot of the cigarettes it's just like totally oh it's not in, it's not in the youtube clip like i keep rewatching it and it's oh no it's <laughs> not there I'm looking for it too. did they cut this down or nbc yeah nbc wanted nothing to do with your oh yeah because it was on tv of course they cut the cigarettes out they cut it out okay interesting oh no those who um, listen to the podcast we have a, a mashup of this you can go watch so let's talk about the wandering people okay Okay, so did everybody break out of the hospital? Is that what we're I don't we're know. Hearing? There's just a lot of questions. Yeah, what's going on? Did Mike set them all free as a diversion? Yeah, all we know is that he is evil. And as we learn, very strategic. Everything he does is, is a strategy. Okay, and it works. I'm at 55. He's going to the call box. This is all nice. And then we have that jump at 1.00, I guess. Okay. Let's play that back one more time. All right. From 55? Yeah. I guess he must be on like a mini trampoline or something, if you look at the movement. Like jumps onto the trampoline and then onto the car. Is that possible? You, is that the movement? You think so? I think he's just a big, tall, fast dude that just gets up there quick. Okay. I'm afraid to watch it. I'm not going to rewatch that. <laughs> okay, I guess just, and rewatching it, it works better than I thought it did when I... But like so much in Halloween, it's the kind of thing we all... We, we get an opportunity with a movie that's filmed like this to all interpret it in different ways because it's so restrictive in terms of the visual information you're being, getting, yeah. being given. And you just kind of see that, 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 that kind of outline of a human face peering into the back as he runs up and... The speed of it is so cool too, not really knowing what's going on because that's that's terrifying. We're The front of the car is up against a wall. We know that. She can't go forward and suddenly he's on top of it. I mean, it's just really great. Yeah. If we go and to... And then also that we cut to it, we don't really set up the mirror or anything like that at any other point in the film. So that is a cut of kind of, it doesn't break the line, but to suddenly be looking in the other direction and the fact that it reads immediately that everyone watching it I knew immediately it's a rearview mirror, and I'd probably only been driving for a year, is is something impressive too. Oh, let me take a look. That's if a rearview mirror. Yes, it is. Oh, is it not? Looking at it right now. Oh, okay, I get it. This makes a whole lot more sense now. I thought I'm looking through the back window of the car. Mm -mm. I'm looking into a mirror. 
Yeah. Okay, I'm going to blame that on just low resolution. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which more importantly makes it her perspective, her point of view, which yes, is what yes. the entire rest of the scene is told through. It's the better shot for sure. Okay, then if we keep playing 108, he grabs his hand over there and she somehow steps on the gas and the car is sort of turning away from him. And then here at 120, she steps off the gas. And then at 123, we have this interesting cut. How do you feel about that? Like the car is completely still and she's like, pushing herself to the passenger side of the car. Yeah, it's almost like it wrecks or something. And I think you're right. In a lot of this, it's very weird and doesn't match. But I think that's editing-wise catching us into putting us in. We talk about this with pacing all the time. It's putting us in the character's shoes in terms of what they're experiencing. So we're confused. We're horrified. Reflecting that through the editing reflecting how she's taking this information in like i don't know like if you get attacked it's i don't know how i got there i just got the car to the side of the road somehow i'm not sure i didn't know how far away the doctor was i didn't know what was going on my head had just been grabbed you're kind of the way that it's being cut together is very unclean and jumpy and kind of helping as a viewer put you in her mentality and i mean for me it worked but of course watching it back we can dissect it and be like uh what yeah it's just but, up to this point it feels like very the continuity was very clean and then suddenly there's a jump compression in time and it did work in the moment mm. i remember like i noticed it and i'm like oh this kind of works actually because she is terrified distraught yeah she's totally distraught terrified processing yes. thoughts a lot faster so that's always good to understand you know if we were seeing this like we did the op this is a perfect example of pacing reflecting the character's thoughts so the opening scene of this film is a five minute oneer scene from his point of view he is not processing a lot of crazy thoughts so there's no reason to do jump cutting and stuff he's just going and killing his sister and watching his own hand as he does it which kind of tells you something about him too subconsciously and now we're being put in the victim's point of view which is much more frantic and jumpy and you know, if we're seeing this from his point of view, it might be another very calm scene of, I want to move this car with her in it. If he wanted to take the car right there, he could have, but instead he jumps on top of it and grabs her head so she has to pull it away and then it's safe to scare her out of the car. Doesn't even look at her twice. He just gets in it and speeds off. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of misdirects. For example, in 132, around about 128, 129 is where it starts. We cut to the hand is coming down for a moment i thought he's just gonna grab her because i didn't realize that the window is up Mm -hmm. but it goes back out and then he knocks the window out or at least he breaks it yeah so totally unexpected for me and Mm -hmm. it's a nice jump scare yeah and then the fact that he gets in while she runs out i didn't expect that i thought he was gonna his goal was to kill her and not to steal the car which is a very scary thing, too, to realize, oh, this guy wanted this car. What's yeah. going to happen next? It's so much more effective to set up what's to come than... Yeah. It's, it's, or maybe this doctor has some power over him. What's nice about it is it shows our main villain or main character actually making active strategic choices as opposed to just insane action that he takes for no reason that we would understand. 
Right, which ends up being one of the scariest things about Michael Myers later on is, ooh, he's really thought all this through. He just knows us almost better than we know ourselves, which is terrifying. Totally. Yeah, I mean, this scene, it's funny to actually look because there's only a few scenes like this in horror and it might have just been the day. Maybe I had coffee for the first time. Who knows? But there's just something about these things that stick with you. So I've always, and there's far, again, there's far more legendary scenes in Halloween. But there was something about this specifically. And I guess with that and the psycho one, it just relates back to situations that you find yourself in. Like I've been driving a car a lot, checking the rear view. So to really capitalize on that and have the most horrifying thing happen you could have happen is really yeah. cool well i'm really um, thrilled actually now it gives me a newfound love for this film because i kind of just dismissed it as being just another horror movie there's your cat i can hear um <laughs> but now i can see oh there's some real nice storytelling there and it actually works even on a just on the level of a drama Oh, tremendously well. Just just as a film. It's not just scares, which is usually the main reason why I turn away. Did I mention that Halloween is not my favorite holiday? (laughs) No. It's not. It's Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) So Halloween won you over and Thanksgiving won you over. And I do think that, yeah, there is something interesting about horror films. There's like a sweet spot they have, and we even see this now, the really low-budget ones are the really successful ones. And although they didn't have all the tools that you could probably hope for to make this movie, understanding filmmaking and writing and all this stuff, the stuff that you're saying you appreciate now, like a great dramatic arc, having that making this really low-budget movie made something that was impactful forever. And same thing could go for Jaws, right? The budget Spielberg's dealing with now compared to that. Uh, and yet Jaws could be argued the most impactful movie he'll ever make. Mm-hmm. Um I doubt this is the movie that John Carpenter like set out his whole life to make. It's just an opportunity came up to do a slasher and just really knocked it out of the park and went from B movies to A movies overnight. Yeah, and I feel like this scene really kind of epitomizes it cuz it's the first the first one with like adult adult Myers and you get to see these things that are set up throughout in all the infamous scenes that display these same things, the same restraint and so forth. Yeah, and if you haven't seen many of the John Carpenter movies, I would recommend uh Precinct, what is it, 19? Assault on Precinct 13. 13, yes. That's a great film and a police station, locked up, shootout situation. It's a Rio Bravo situation. And I mean, all his films are great. The Thing is great. They Live is great. They Live is amazing. And they all get remade also. Good stuff. I love Dennis's video. I really liked what, uh, what Dennis did on this one. First of all, I forgot to do a screen recording and he just went ahead and did it on his own. And then he went ahead and found some more behind-the-scenes footage with CGI. I thought that was amazing to see when I'm talking about, oh, this is not just uh, Photoshop. They actually did some green screen 3D capturing there. He found some shots of that. So that's really amazing to see. And looking yeah. back at it again and reading the comments, it really I real I realize yes maybe the CGI is not as good as it could have been, but it doesn't really matter because the story itself has so much heart in the way that it's told. It's so quirky and so fun to watch, even though it's a very serious topic. I thought it completely held up and it didn't bug me one bit. Just go start making stuff. What are you waiting on? It's never going to be perfect, but it can have an impact in this moment. 
This was just a short scene analysis. If you like this, you should really dig into the podcast. Just download it or subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher. Go on a run, use it in your commute in the morning and listen to us really nerd out on a scene. And thank you to Kurta for the music. And as Sven always says, happy editing. And then uh, just keep on watching because you can appreciate that show that they were promoting afterwards. Dennis isn't going to have this. Um, <laughs> she kills um, with her eyes. Oh, no. Luca. Um, uh, whatever happened to Luca? I want to know. I mean, Albert Finney, James Coburn, that's a stellar cast. Why are we not wow. talking about Luca? We are next week. It's a Michael Crichton film. Oh, my God. Oh, we're watching this this oh, week. Yeah. We're going to talk about it next week. Um, this, that's going to be our blooper at the end. <laughs> <laughs>